You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. What is up, everybody? It is sadly just Catherine today. Chelsea is taking care of her sweet baby boy. Um, but I am super pumped for our guest today. Her name is Cameron Rogers. She is the founder of Freckled Foodie, which is a very popular Instagram account um, where she shares recipes, um, health advice, and just honestly real authenticity where she shares um unfiltered life, unfiltered advice. It's just very real and raw, just like this community. And so I know that you are going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation that I got to have with Cameron Rogers just as much as I did. So I'm just going to get right to it. Y'all enjoy. All right. Well, hey, Soul Sisters. I am here today with Cameron Rogers, who is a New York City resident. Um, and she is, correct me if I'm wrong, worked in the corporate world and left that world to pursue a passion in health and wellness and is now a health coach and content creator and fellow podcaster and all of the above and so much more, I'm sure, which we're going to learn today. So welcome to the show, Cameron. Thank you for having me. Yes, all of those things were in fact correct. So don't worry. You okay, got good. It all. I'm like, <laughs> good. Um, I would love for you to just kind of like introduce yourself, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, kind of what a day in the life of, I'm sure it's different every day being an entrepreneur, yes. but <laughs> a day in the life of Cameron looks like. Of course. So as you mentioned, I'm Cameron Rogers. I like I sometimes will introduce myself as the voice behind Freckled Foodie because it's my alter ego, I guess, of <laughs> sorts. It's my Instagram account, blog, YouTube, TikTok, podcast, all of that stuff. And I am a New York resident. I grew up in Jersey, which is where I'm currently residing just because of COVID at my parents' house. Um, and I'm a content creator in the health and wellness space. My mission across all of my platforms is to make healthy living more approachable and to reassure everyone that no matter the emotion they are feeling, they are not alone. I am very open about honestly, everything that's going on in my life on my platforms. I joke that my Instagram stories are like extended sessions with my therapist or my best friends because I honestly talk about everything. Um, But I don't know. I'm just, I kind of fell into this in a weird way. I never thought that this would be my job and I'm having a ton of fun while I'm doing it. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of responsibility, but I think the second I focus on it as solely work, it won't be enjoyable. So I'm trying to have as much fun as possible while also bringing that entrepreneurial spirit to it. Awesome. Okay. So I too left the corporate world, not in New York city, but in Mm -hmm. Dallas and Wilmington, North Carolina and, um, started my own business. So I know it's kind of like a scary, there's a lot of fear around it, but what were you doing before? And what was that kind of final straw for you? That was like, I'm going to take a leap and pursue this passion. Yeah. So I worked at JP Morgan in sales and trading. So very different than what I'm doing now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like a night and day. Um, I started there right out of college. I graduated from Lafayette. I was a college athlete. I played lacrosse and I had interned for two years at JP. And the end of my internship before senior year, they offered me a full-time job. And I obviously took it because I was going into senior year now with a great prestigious well-paid job. It was a dream. 
Um, I always actually wanted to be a sports broadcaster growing up. I mean, actually growing up, I just wanted to be famous. Like I remember having to tell myself when I turned 18, like, listen, the gig's over. You're not going to, I had no talents to think I was ever going to be famous, but I was so obsessed specifically with Justin Timberlake that I thought I would date him. Like I really thought that it would happen. I feel like I'm talking, I feel like I'm talking to myself here. I was literally (laughs) just telling a client the other day, like I have always wanted to be famous. And like now, because I have no talents, I feel like my only shot is to like keep applying for reality television shows and like, see if I can be like a C-list celebrity. You never know. But the other day I was telling a client, they asked me like, what I wanted when I was little, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was like, well, in fifth grade, I wanted to be Shania Twain. I actually like told my parents, I will be Shania Twain when I grow up. I couldn't sing. And then like, I joined all these plays and theater programs and like thought I'd be an actress and just was not good. (laughs) I feel like I never knew how to sing, act, anything. Never even pursued any of those things. I played sports my whole life. So I have no idea what I thought was going to get me famous, (laughs) but I really wanted to be famous just so I could be friends and dating Justin Timberlake. Um, But anyway, then I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I ended up applying for the internship at JP because my mom kind of convinced me to look into sales and trading. Both my parents worked in finance and I heard back from JP before any of the like Fox Sports, NBC Sports, ESPN, all that. So I started working at JP Morgan right after I graduated from college. I absolutely loved my job. I was one of the very few people in my group of friends that was enjoying their work. And it was definitely a tough transition out of college to the real world. I talk about that a lot. It it was really freaking hard. I have bad anxiety and that really hit me. But for me, it was somewhat smooth because being a college athlete, I think there's so many transferable skills to the role that I had at that job. It's very fast paced. It's high intensity. It's competitive, but it's team based. I thrived. And I honestly was doing an incredible job and I had a great career path ahead of me. But I started to struggle with some digestive health issues and that led me to start looking at what I was eating. And the more I started looking at what I was eating, I started, I was on these elimination diets for my IBS and I was getting so frustrated by having the same conversations over and over at restaurants or like takeout places about what ingredients they were using. I also cried over my credit card bill because all the sweet greens and dig-ins like really Mm -hmm. added up. So I started cooking for myself and that's honestly where Freckled Foodie came from because I just started experimenting in the kitchen. I never grew up cooking. Food was a huge part of my life. I love food, but we weren't the family that made these elaborate family dinners on weeknights. My mom, I say, was like the creator of meal prep because I ate pasta out of Tupperware in the back of a Suburban on my way to practice every night for dinner. We never had those family dinners. Um, and yes, like my mom gets mad at me when I say this because we did care a lot about food and you know, summer weekends we had big cookouts, but it just wasn't something I was helping her with. Right. And it was my first time kind of experimenting in the kitchen. I started to realize how much I enjoyed it. I also started to realize how much better I felt when I was eating food that I was cooking. I started to get really interested in the entire wellness scene. And I found myself at downtimes of actual work at JP, looking at like the infatuation eater, other food bloggers, websites, and never actually looking at what was happening in the market. And so that was my first red flag. Hello, you don't care about the product you're selling, which I didn't, to be totally honest. I don't care about municipal bonds. Um, What? You don't? That's like my favorite thing. It's like, huh? So... (laughs) 
I, that was my first red flag. I started this Instagram account, honestly drunk one night because I thought maybe if I could do food photos of restaurants, I would get free meals. That was why I wanted to do it, which hasn't happened. And also because my, yeah. Yeah. And my friends were like, stop sending me photos of stuff you cook. I don't care. Put it somewhere else. And if I care, I'll look at it. So I started this account freckled foodie. I kind of kept it a secret in the beginning. Eventually, people found out. I told my work about it. Everyone kind of knew, but I was very church and state. I kept them totally separate. If you went on my account, you would never have seen my face. You would never have known it was me. It was just food because I was covering some big accounts at JP and I didn't want, I was already young to be covering them and I didn't want them to think, like, oh, she's running some food account on the side. Like, what is this? Yeah. And originally, it was a total side thing. I never thought in any realm it could ever become a real job, but I started to spend. I mean, it's crazy reflecting back. I would get up at four in the morning to work on content for my page. I would go work out. I would get to the office by like seven. I'd work until 5.30. I'd come home. I'd work on Freckle Foodie stuff all night. All weekend long, I would meal prep for myself and you know, photograph it all, create recipes. I, would, I started meal prepping for my friends. I was doing everything I possibly could with the spare time I had and there just weren't enough hours in the day. And I kept saying... I feel like every door I open, there are 10 doors behind it and I don't have time to open the other ones. And I would love to, but I just can't. Yeah. And so I just gotten engaged and my fiance at the time, now husband was like, listen, why don't we just regroup after the wedding, reassess everything. You have a great job at JP. Planning a wedding is going to be a lot of stress for you. Let's not add another thing to the plate. So I kind of had accepted Freckled Foodie will be a side project. I have a great career. Also like not this has to be mentioned there's a huge ego part for me where like saying i worked at jp morgan was a big badge of honor for me for sure like, yeah yeah like, and also the golden know. handcuffs because yeah. they pay you so well and you just get used to this lifestyle and then it's like well what would i do without this money i don't know what my life would look like i also had no idea of how i would make money with freckled foodie yeah and i was okay with that. And I kind of accepted this will be a side thing. And then a pretty crazy thing happened and was actually like a very blatant last straw. I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street. It's, I'm okay. I always preface it with like, I swear I'm okay. Oh my um, gosh. But I suffered from a pretty bad concussion. And unfortunately, it was not my first one. And it like really rocked me. And so I was on two months of disability from JP at that time, just recovering. And for anyone who's had a concussion, you know that you really can't do anything other than like sit in a dark room and talk to people. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be on my computer or my phone or watch TV or read. I really couldn't spend much time outside. So I that's when I learned how and evolved my meditation practice. And I journaled a ton and it really made me reassess life. And I was so not happy with my current job at that time. And I had this passion for something else and I have the privilege to be able to take a chance. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of came to the conclusion. It became less of, should I do this? I don't know. Do I have to do this? I'd be stupid not to. So I went back to work and a week after going back to work, I put in my two weeks notice and my boss looked at me like I had five heads because (laughs) he was like, oh, you're going to Goldman. And I was like, "Uh, no, I'm actually going to do this thing on Instagram. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Instagram. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? He probably still thinks I'm freaking crazy. Um, and then that was that. So that was about two years ago. Oh, no, almost three years ago. Wow. And 
I left kind of thinking I would meal prep for people and create recipes. And I was really focused on food. Since then, Freckled Foodie has really evolved and is way more lifestyle than food. I don't know if I'll ever change the name now, though, because it's become such a personality mm-hmm. to me. Um, but it's so much fun. And, you know, I'm, it's ever evolving and ever growing. And I think that's really the whole thing with social media. You can't predict anything because who would have ever thought TikTok would blow up a year ago, you know, and here we are. So I'm just trying to continue to evolve and grow with my community and provide content that is useful and valuable to everyone who's consuming it. Okay. So much to unpack. First of all, love your story, love your journey. I feel like a lot of our listeners, not all of them are entrepreneurs, but a lot of them are. And those who aren't are in a corporate job that maybe they're like unsure of. And so I think it's like really important for women, especially to hear that like they can start over or they can like totally try something new. So I want to kind of like go backwards. I have some follow-up questions. One being you talked about how after you graduated college, you know, those transition years, leaving college and entering the real world, quote unquote, is really difficult. I also had a really difficult time with that. And I developed like severe anxiety when I was like 22, 23 from that. And you mentioned anxiety. What, um, like unpack that for us. Like, what did that look like for you that season? A lot of our listeners are like about to graduate college and are freaking out. We get a lot of questions about like, what's it like to move to a new city or start over. And so I think that hearing that someone's like not alone would be really cool to hear. So can you kind of, would you mind sharing a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So I graduated and I think for me, honestly, lacrosse season ended um, exactly one month before graduation. And lacrosse season ending was almost harder for me than actually graduating because my whole life I played sports and this was my final, like you won't be a part of a team in this way ever again. You won't ever step on a field and have that level of importance of how you perform and whether you win. Like I'm a very competitive person and that meant a ton to me. And so I really had a hard time with that. And I mean, I somewhat spiraled that last month of college. I mean, we really went out with a bang to put it lightly. (laughs) And I think that definitely played into the anxiety of graduating because I had partied every single night for a month straight. And (laughs) I had a month after graduating before my job started. And I think I spent maybe like a week or two at home in New Jersey at my parents. And then I moved into the city. And I was very fortunate in the fact that majority of my friends from home, because I'm from New Jersey, moved to New York. And majority of my college friends, because Lafayette is such a feeder from like the tri-state area, moved to New York. So I went to a city with a ton of people I already knew. I honestly feel sometimes like I missed out a bit because I didn't ever have the opportunity or need to make new friends. And I do now have what I call real world friends, but it took me so long to notice like, oh, relationships evolve. Maybe like I change. Maybe I want to meet new people. So I was very fortunate in that sense of moving to a city with people I knew and there was a total comfort there. My older sister was there and all of that. Um, But I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. I never realized I never had the vocabulary to put anxiety as a label on the emotions I had. I have very, very vivid memories as a, I guess I was like a young teenager or like 11 to 13 age 
of having conversations about the end of time. It's a big trigger for me. I don't know why. And I would be like, I feel so nauseous. I feel like I'm going to throw up. Can we stop talking about this? And having these visceral physical reactions. And looking back, that was definitely anxiety, but I had no idea at the time. And in high school and in college, I definitely had anxiety around performing, whether it was academically or on the field. And it almost got... um, I almost was given accolades for my anxious behavior because I outperformed because of it. And I was, you know, starting and I was then getting good grades and then I was captain and all of these things were given to me because I was performing really well, but I was performing really well because my anxiety was leading me to overachieve, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And so then it was like, oh, well, if I'm getting all these positive affirmations, I have to keep doing all of these things. So it just became my lifestyle and I didn't acknowledge the anxiety aspect of it all. And when I started working, I think a lot of things really unfolded for me. And, you know, the job that I had was very stressful and very anxiety ridden. That's just ingrained in sales and trading. But I also was having a really hard time with the concept of not being in college anymore. I wasn't playing sports anymore. I, I didn't have access to my, even though my friends were in the city, I couldn't open my door and walk a block to their house and just crash on their couch. I had all of a sudden these responsibilities that I didn't even want. Um, my, husband now, we've been dating since we were 16 and post-college. And um, we ended up breaking up for senior, kind of like the end of college. And we were getting back together after college. And there was a lot wrapped up in that emotionally. So it was just a lot going on for me personally. And I think the more and more I share about that and the more even in that moment I talked about with friends, everyone was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. I love the real world now. I actually enjoy it way more than college. However, it took me a long time, not a long time, but it took me a while to get there. And I think for anyone who's in that transition period, you are not alone whatsoever. It's just transitions are freaking hard. Yeah. And you have to try and find the positives that are coming with these transitions rather than like harp on what you don't have because I think that's just an easy spiral to go down. I don't know about you, but I grew up like watching friends and like TV sitcoms and I was like, okay, same, 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 same. So I would like watch these shows and think like, oh my gosh, being an adult is so cool and easy. Like all they do is like, Sit on a couch in a coffee shop and like hang out with a friend's apartment though in New York. Like that is feasible. Rachel worked at Ralph Lauren as like a salesperson and Monica was like kind of a chef and they lived in this insane two bedroom in the West Village. It was nuts. And but that's all they did. They hung out with friends and they went, they drank coffee and they went to work like a couple hours a day. And so I think I had this like unrealistic expectation of what the real world was like. And then when I was taken out of my environment of comfort in college, where you have friends next door, you kind of have this routine, you're not fully independent. And then you leap into this independent world where everything's taken from you. And then it's not like a TV sitcom. It's very much like, I, whoa, I'm, I was not ready for this, you know, that kind of like mm-hmm. anxiety ridden mentality. So I think that a lot of people can definitely relate to that. Um, I kind of want to go back to what you talked about with your anxiety and then you kind of went straight from that into your gut issues. Do you think that that played a part in it? Like, Oh, hugely. Okay. So 
I think I've always carried my anxiety in my stomach. And now it's so interesting reflecting back on my life and connecting all of these dots. I'm a very reflective pe- person re- as of more recently. And as a kid, I was told I was lactose intolerant. However, ice cream is my favorite food and it was back then too. Yeah, and I refused to give it up. So mm-hmm. I would eat, I would like sneak ice cream at night and just like eat as much as I possibly could. And every, not every night, but a lot of nights I would wake up with these horrendous stomach pains and I have these vividly weird memories of waking up my mom. And the only thing that would help is taking a hot bath and eating cinnamon Eggos, like the, the four <laughs> mini ones in one. That is so and vivid. <laughs> it's so vivid, but it's also so showing of who I was because I don't think I was lactose intolerant. I think I had anxiety and it manifested in my stomach, which it still does. So I know that that's personally something that happens for me. And I think that the ego bath situation was such a cry for attention. As a middle child, I just wanted that time alone with my mom. And yeah. I loved I loved to be babied. Like when we would have babysitters, I would be like, can you rub my back? Can you play with my hair? Like my hair is jam. Yeah. Oh my God. When I get my haircut and they're washing my hair, I'm like, can you keep going for an hour? So I think that that was why I think as a kid, my anxiety definitely manifested in my stomach and it just continued throughout my life. And in college, I had really random um, like spurts of serious gut issues that were kind of overlooked, but I would be horrendously throwing up and like coming out of both ends and I ended up having to go to the hospital for a few things and like no one figured out what it was. Mm. But now when I look back, I'm like those were in such anxious times of my life. And there weren't like stomach viruses going around at that time. It was so random. None of my roommates got it. So I do think it played a huge role. And then my like later post-college life, I had a ton of gut health issues, IBSC, SIBO, like you name it, I had it. And I definitely had some medical stuff going on. I found out, um, I guess, like five years later. So recently, I found out that I had mercury poisoning. And I think a lot of, yeah, I'm like unloading it all on you. I think a lot of that played into some of what happened. But I think the initial trigger of my digestive issues was my anxiety. And even now, I'll say things to my husband where if I'm really anxious, I'll, I'll say like, I'm having stomach anxiety pain. Like it's so obvious to me. It's a different the, kind of The feeling. different kind yeah. of pain I feel. It's not like, oh, I ate something. It's not sitting right or I'm starving or something. It's like, oh, I'm really anxious and I'm having this pain in my stomach because of it. So I totally think that they are correlated, especially because the gut is like our second brain and they are very correlated medically to begin with. Yeah. I have just been doing in the last year, a lot of I say research, but like really just like listening to podcasts and reading books on, (laughs) it's not like I'm like doing like intense research papers on it, but I've been looking into more gut issues because with my, I don't know if it is my anxiety or if I do have an intolerance of some sort, but like, I feel that, like I feel differences in my stomach and I've always had like a really sensitive stomach, um, a sensitive digestive whole Mm -hmm. thing my whole life. And I've never thought like, Hmm, maybe it's like a combination of everything. Like it doesn't just necessarily have to be something I eat. It could be something emotional or something physical. Like it's all connected. Um, I really like love that you're such an open book because our, I didn't tell you this, but our slogan for soul is shameless living. And so it's all about just like 
sharing your story, sharing what you've been through, because if you can't be a relatable person, then you're never going to touch souls with, um, what you've been through and what you're trying to do. And so I kind of want to go into what you said about how you used to just post photos of like food and not your face. And then you kind of shifted into this full-time gig at freckled foodie. How does, um, I, I teach marketing, um, little classroom workshops every now and then. And like my biggest thing for social media is like to show your true self on social media and like you're in the now self, your real self. So how did that shift from just showcasing food to showcasing your personality, change your business? Immensely. So when I, and I think it was twofold of why I didn't show myself. I think a, I really did want to keep it kind of separate. I didn't Mm -hmm. want my clients to find this account and that was a big reason. But B, I was also really embarrassed by it, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. I just felt like if people found it, they'd say, oh, another food account. Like, oh, what is Cameron trying to be an influencer? And I definitely wasn't trying to be. I mean, now it's funny how that's changed and I guess I am, (laughs) but I wasn't trying to be. And I am inherently a pretty critical and judgmental person. It's something I am really working on over years of therapy and self-work. And I think I project my judgments as things that other people might think of me. And there, and then that stopped me from really putting myself out there. However, when I quit, I did like a few things with my face, but I would say every like 15 photos of food, there was one of me. So it was very rare or maybe even more like 20 mm-hmm. photos. Um, and then I started to do this thing. I was getting so frustrated as a consumer of watching these people's stories because this was when Instagram stories became a thing and filters were a thing. And my younger sister was like, if you ever talk to your camera on your Instagram stories, I'm shutting down your account. And I said, oh my God, I would never do that. You will <laughs> never catch me dead talking to my phone. That is so embarrassing. Now I can't freaking stop and do it all day long. I used to say the same stuff and I still get like weird about it, but like I've realized that I have to stop comparing my stories to other people's stories. Like when I watch mine and you'll feel way better. Yeah. Like I'm not going to look as poised and like put together. I'm going to be ratchet. (laughs) Please. I do it at like 6am. I haven't even looked in the mirror. Like I constantly stuff on my face. I'm like, I don't care. So for me, she was saying that. And as a consumer, I was watching all of these bloggers and influencers on Instagram and, you know, they'd be talking about something and they'd have this like filter on their face and everything's contoured and they've got a full blowout and they look gorgeous. I'm like, this is so freaking fake and unrelatable. And I was getting so frustrated because not only did I, now that I felt like I was doing this full time, I kind of saw how the sausage was made almost. Like I knew that this wasn't what these people did all day. And I also was getting hypercritical of myself because I was comparing. And I think that it was just creating this awful environment and I didn't want to be a part of it. And I still think that's sometimes why I have pushback on saying I'm an influencer because I don't agree with a lot of what influencers do. And I almost don't want to be like put in this category. Right. And that's my own self-work that I have to deal with. But once I kind of felt that way, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this thing called Unfiltered Day. And on the first of every month, I'm going to show a behind the scenes look on what I'm doing that day. And this was when I was meal prepping for people in their homes. And I'm going to show what that kind of looks like, what being a person on Instagram really looks like behind the scenes. I'm not going to use any filters and I'll answer any questions that are submitted in like a question box. Yeah. And I think I had maybe like 
8,000 followers at this time. I wish I knew more specifics, but it was really early on in my growth. And I emailed literally every influencer I followed. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do this thing called Unfilter Day on the first of every month. I'd love for you to participate. A few people did in the beginning, um, but it really started to take off. And people, I got a ton of incredible feedback and engagement on those days. And I just started to get more comfortable doing it. And so then that just became my everyday. So I refuse to use any filters on my Instagram stories. I haven't for over like two years now. Um, wow. And I Thank you. I, I'm, I have a huge thing on like F filters and Photoshop and I've done a lot of posts on it because it makes me livid that these people are creating alternate versions of themselves yes. and taking it and trying to pretend like it's reality. And that has how I started to get more comfortable. And then from there, I just started sharing more about myself. And as you, I've said, I'm an open book and I mean, it's gotten me in trouble sometimes. I really I just say anything that's on my mind. And my husband is way more like closed off. And he's like, why did Same. you just tell that stranger like how many poops you had this morning? Like, yes. I don't know. Yes. Um, so well, I'm looking in a mirror. So this is great. So I, um, the more I started sharing, the more I was growing, but not, not only growing, but the more engaged my community was. And mm-hmm. I freaking love the community I've built on my platform. I think that they are the most supportive people in the world and they're incredibly engaged and incredible. And, you know, even if I do something that they disagree with, they call me out and like they yeah. hold me accountable, which I love. And so I, I don't know. I just feel for, I, I feel if I'm going to be doing this and if I'm going to get the pleasure of getting to work for myself and get, getting paid by brands to talk about their products, the least I can do to these people who are allowing me and responsible for me being able to get paid is to be honest and totally. be myself. And the second, and you know, we talked about potentially changing careers. Do I love what I'm doing? Yes. Is there a day where I'm probably not going to do this again? Yeah. I mean, who yeah. knows? I might not do this later in my life and that's totally fine. It kind of freaks me out to think about doing this as like a 40 year old. I don't plan to. <laughs> um, so, and no shade to anyone who is that's 40. <laughs> and I probably will be now that I've said that, but um, I just feel like if if I'm going to do this, I have to be myself. I can't, I don't know how to bite my tongue and I'm going to say what I'm thinking. And we're going to talk about an array of things. And the more I start to do that and talk about topics like anxiety or, and you know, within anxiety, talking about meditating, sure. But also like I smoke weed and I was on an antidepressant for a while and like opening up about things like that or talking about, I don't know, really anything on there. The more people resonated with it and would send me messages of like, oh my God, I felt, I struggle with this too. And I felt so alone. I'm like, okay, well that's why I'm doing this. Like that's the whole purpose on here. Right. It's relatable. It's real. Like I, I found that I, I kind of have the same issues on social media It's like, I would follow these people and I'm like, would, would they even one, would they even care that I'm following them? Like, are they actually interested in influencing right. someone or are they more interested in followers? Do, do you know what I mean? Like totally. the community that you've built by responding to messages and like being your true self and then being able to be their true self. Like that to me is more desirable than just like having a ton of followers on Instagram. Um, I actually have a cap in my mind of how many followers I want and I don't want to go above it because it's not that big. Want, you wouldn't be because able then to I lose. Less. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. I respond to every DM and I'm like, I know that isn't possible if I continue to grow and hit a certain number. So right. I honestly say to my husband all the time, I'm like, I don't want to go above this number. You like stop people from following you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Block. <laughs> so with like the comparison thing though, like 
being an influencer or whatever, a content creator, let's not call yeah, it. Yeah, it's okay. We can use influence. Yeah. I actually did my stories today. I'm like, if people refer to me as an influencer, I sometimes feel uncomfortable, but I also want context. Like, what have I influenced you on? And I did a question box. So oh, that's great. a great question. Yeah, I've been reading through them so far today. I just posted a few hours ago, but it's great to see like, okay, what am I actually influencing? What did they say? A ton on accepting their body, a ton on working through, a ton on working through anxiety. Those are two topics I talk about a lot now. Um, a lot on, I say this all the time, but like finding comfort and confidence in the gray area. Mm. Yes, I love green smoothies and, you know, salads, but I also eat ice cream every single day because that's what I want to eat. I want to eat both of those things. And that's awesome for me. Okay. That's the perfect transition. Cause that was kind of what yeah. I was going to ask you next is with being on Instagram as your job, basically you obviously are probably as a woman comparing yourself to a lot of people. How has that affected your body image? Not only just being on Instagram, but also you are in the wellness community. Right. So like you talk about nutrition, you do meal plans, you're a health coach. Mm-hmm. Like these are all things that I'm sure a lot of, um, body image struggles, come up day to day, how, like, what are some struggles that you fight and how do you fight them being in this industry? Yeah. So I will say that when I started this and got really into it, I definitely struggled with disordered thoughts. Mm -hmm. I don't think I, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I definitely had orthorexic like kind of thoughts about that whole thing. So I definitely became obsessed with what I was eating. And it's hard for me because the intent was so positive. Mm -hmm. It was because I was struggling with these digestive issues and I was trying to figure out what my triggers were. But then I got so nervous that anything I put in my mouth would cause a flare up. And so then I became obsessed with everything I put in my mouth. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was getting into running because that was the only thing that I felt I knew how to do after being a college athlete. I didn't want to go to Pilates or yoga or anything. And I'm a I like tangible assets such as numbers. And as I mentioned, I'm competitive. And so then I became competitive with myself. Like, oh, if I'm running four miles today, tomorrow I have to run four and a half and mm-hmm. I have to run at a faster speed. And I mean, I was I was thin. Like I looked, looking back, I can't believe I looked like that. Uh, but at the time, everyone was like, you look amazing. Oh my right. God. There's, there's positive reinforcement. Oh, so much positive reinforcement. And you're like, yeah. Ugh. Which is why I refuse to comment on anyone's weight because you never Thank know what's you. happening in the background. Um, Thank you. And so I think the concussion, I honestly treat the concussion as like a before and like before Christ and after. Well, you yeah, know that I'm concussion. not religious, BC, so I don't know. BC, yes, thank you. BC and AD, right? Um, <laughs> so. I, I clearly know nothing about religion, but I <laughs> kind of treat my concussion as that moment of my life because not only did my career change, but my entire mindset shifted. And for me, not working out for two months and there were so many more important things happening than what am I putting in my body? Um, it really just created this whole new outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really started my journey to accepting myself. And honestly, it's been continuously evolving. Right. As everyone. Yeah. yeah, it always will. As majority of us out there, it's really easy to compare to people we see on social media, which is again, why I hate the editing and filters and tools that people are using. Um, I not only think that it's hurt, hurtful to their mental health as a creator, but also really hurtful and impactful on their consumers and communities. So Mm -hmm. I definitely struggled with that 
But I recently, honestly, over the last six months have found a newfound love for myself and acceptance of my body and the fact that we're going to evolve. And also the realization that there's so much more important shit in the world than Mm. whether I fit in a pair of jeans or like whether I'm the same size I was. I was finding myself. So I talk about this a lot, but there was this weight at the time, I never weighed myself growing up. I never had a scale. Like people brought scales to college. I was so confused by that. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was getting, when I was really into exercising and over exercising, I was working at an Equinox and every woman in the locker room would weigh themselves. And I thought to myself, is this something that females do? And I just missed it. So I started mm-hmm. doing it. And I remember one day, it was one of those old schools where you like, old scales where you move the thing actually. And so the physical act of moving it back and back and back to be lighter and lighter was giving me this like dopamine hit. And I was like, Cameron, get the hell off of this thing. Mm -hmm. This is not how we, this is not how we get happy. And that was my first, okay, maybe something's going on. But that number has still stuck in my mind because it was the lowest I remember like ever being, you know, other than being a child. And so for a few years after that, when I would go to the doctor or wherever and they weigh you, my mind naturally would still reflect back to that number and calculate the difference and be like, oh my God, you've gained X amount of pounds. And I remember going to a doctor, I guess it was last year now. Time is so warped for me with COVID. And like, what is time? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> and so I went to a doctor and she weighed me and told me my weight. And I remember thinking, okay, wow, we've gained 20 pounds since that number. And then I was like, wait a second. I'm so much happier now. Yeah, I love life. I don't stress out about group dinners or hanging out with my friends or how much I'm drinking or whether I had ice cream last night or whether I'm able to work out. I'm not going to bed early so I can get up in the morning and run nine miles. Like I'm actually enjoying myself. Mm. I'm so much happier with myself. I'm way less anxious. So why would I try to go back to a version of me that I didn't love just so I could say I'm 20 pounds lighter. That seems so backwards. And so, right. I don't know, it was this wake up call where I was like, you know what, we're going to let go of that number because it, it doesn't matter. And I was comparing my 28 year old self at the time to an 18 year old version. Yes. And I, and I also thought like, imagine being 18 and comparing yourself to an eight year old, like 10 years ago. Yeah, it's nuts stuff changes and we evolve as humans and we also, our bodies evolve. And I just think we have to let go of these past versions of ourselves when we're comparing them negatively to how we are today. Totally. I think that anytime numbers are involved and counting is involved, it will always walk this thin line of like safety and super dangerous. And I think it enters into the dangerous zone like more quickly, especially for women than, than, than we would hope to like counting calories, looking at the number on the scale. I mean, I recently saw this meme. Um, I think like last week that was like, why am I trying to look like I was when I was 15 years old? Like, right. I'm, so like for me, I'm 31 and I, this year, well, not only did I hit 30 and your metabolism just changes when you, mm-hmm. when you enter into a new decade, but also this year has been hard. We had a global pandemic. I've, had two miscarriages this year. My body has changed. It's just like, how do we expect to be, why are we expecting to be our old selves when we are this new evolved woman? Like we should hope that with evolution of like our mind, our, 
our spirit, our emotions, like with that evolution also comes physical evolution too. And like, yeah, we're going to gain weight. That's like, I feel like that's, we should look at it as like this stamp of like life hit us and like we really lived it, you know, and like a good I also am having such a hard time. I feel like it's happening way less now, but in the beginning of quarantine and COVID, mm-hmm. there were so many accounts I was seeing were like, how to not gain the COVID-15. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding? If if we survive, like actually, if you live through this yeah. pandemic, you win. Like, yeah, that, that's an accomplishment. Can we chill with like the shaming of gaining weight? People are home. We're going through emotions we've never gone through before. There's so much stress and anxiety, like not only with the pandemic, but now with everything else happening in the world, like there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. If you gain a few pounds or more, it doesn't matter. That is the least important thing in my opinion. Right. Like, um, Chelsea was pregnant obviously for nine months, just had her baby and she kept getting ads on Instagram. And she was like, I don't know how these people are targeting me. That was saying like how to bounce back after you Ugh, have a baby. And she's started. like, my body just made a baby. Like I'm pretty damn proud of it. You know, like stop like, using words so like easy that. to be like, this is how you lose the weight. It's like, why aren't we like, this is how you care for a child. This yes. is how you <laughs> take comfort in like the fact that you created a human. This is how yes. you sleep. Like, totally. So I just insane think to me, I just think words are so powerful. And you mentioned it earlier, like even with um, how you talk to women or how you compliment women, never commenting on like, you look really thin or you have, you lost weight. But right. more, you know, like someone said recently to me, like, what if we started complimenting each other, saying things like, man, you're radiant or like mm-hmm. you are you're so, glowing. You're wise. Like what, yeah. what, how do I get that wisdom? You know, things that are like actual characteristics that we want to take into the rest of our life, not just being 120 pounds, you know? Totally. I also think that as females, we, and this is something I've worked on and now have perfect, not perfected, but really grown is accepting comments or mm-hmm. compliments. I remember growing up, my grandmother would be like, Anytime you'd say anything to her, she'd be like, oh, like, oh, Nana, I love that jacket. This? Oh, please. It's like hundreds of years old. I found it. And like, there was always something to not. Yeah. And when I told my mom she looked beautiful, she'd be like, what? No. Oh God, I look so awful and stressed. I'm like, can you just say thank you? Mm. And so I promised myself because it would drive me mad watching my mom and my Nana react this way. I said, anytime someone compliments me, I'm just going to smile and say thank you because why should I say anything else? And my, one of my best girlfriends laughs so hard because she's like, you are, it's the best watching you receive compliments. We'll see each other. She's like, Oh my God, I love that dress on you. You look gorgeous. And I was like, Oh, thank you so much. She's like, it's just, it's still wild for me to hear a female just accept the compliment. It's countercultural. And honestly, that's really powerful. Like I don't, I'm thinking back, I don't really do that. And that's like something I'm going to definitely take out of this is just saying, thank you. That's huge. One of my health coaching clients was struggling with it. She noticed that she was creating arguments in response and she's two brothers. And I said, let's do a test. Start complimenting your brothers and think and really like take note of what their responses are. And not once did they ever provide an argument back. They just right. said, oh, thanks. All right, cool. They kept <laughs> moving on. Yeah. All right, cool. We're like, yeah, I know. I've been working on it. Like why are women so quick to say, oh, no, no, no. Like, let me tell you why that's not true. Yeah. Let me tell you why that's, that's so true. Wow. Um, okay. Well, let's get into that. Like, what do you do? What is like your bread and butter of what you do for your clients as a health coach? Like what are some services that you offer? 
Yeah. So I started health coaching more when I quit JP because it was a concrete thing that I knew I could make money off of. Mm -hmm. It's less of my business now. I still offer my services. Um, It's one-on-one. It's an eight-week program with the four-week add-on available at the end of it. If you feel like you want four more weeks, we meet once a week for a 30-minute session. Um, And then I provide notes, asks, and goals after each session. And we chat throughout the week whenever applicable. Um, Majority of my clients are females. Well, all have been females. But in their kind of like 24 to 29 range. Mm -hmm. And we talk about really whatever you're trying to work on. Majority of it honestly has been around body image and kind of just removing the connection that the society has created between our worth and how our body looks and what food we eat and the labels that we've created. So that's been a huge part of it. Um, But we really just implement practices to help you be the best version of yourself. And that doesn't at all equate to weight loss whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more just accepting yourself, giving yourself positive affirmations. I always talk about, you know, that devil on your left shoulder is like the first initial critical thought that you might have. And we can't always control that reaction. But what we can do is amplify the volume of the angel voice on our right shoulder and hopefully have her give the second, third, fourth, fifth thought instead of the devil continuing on a spiral. Mm, That's good. That's huge. It's been huge for me. Yeah. It's something that you can actually put into practice too, because we can't, we can't always help that initial thought and we can't, we can't just not give ourselves grace because, because of those thoughts, like we have to move past them. Right. And I think for me, when I was struggling with body image stuff, I felt when I would see all these women talk about how much they loved their bodies, I would think, okay, great. Another thing I failed at. Right. I can't even love my body and I look like this. What is wrong with me? And so whenever I talk about body image, I always acknowledge I still have critical thoughts. Of course. And it's more just that it might be my first reaction, but it's not my second, third, fourth. And when I actually start to catch myself critiquing anything, if I catch a glimpse in the mirror or an an interesting angle or whatever it is, I will actually stand and give myself out loud affirmations to that part of my body. And I did an example of this. Um, I did one example on like an Instagram video recently, and then I did a live kind of walkthrough of what that looks like on a TikTok where... You know, my stomach, for instance, for me is the main area that I would critique usually. And I will stand in the mirror and be like, thank you, stomach, for functioning. I love you. You are beautiful. Thank you for carrying all of my organs. Thank you for keeping me alive. Thank you for allowing me to eat all the food I love and turning it into poop. Like Mm -hmm. we critique these things that are so essential to our like being and surviving. And we're like, oh, there's a role as if that matters. Right. So the affirmations have been really helpful for me and just like flipping that script. Yeah. Just another way that words are just so powerful. Yes. And what about, do you still do meal prepping or meal planning or? Not anymore. Um, I did that for the first, I think like 10 months after I quit JP and it was great experience, but I started to realize that I didn't love the service aspect of it. I didn't really want to be in the service industry in that sense. And I also felt that It didn't allow me, as I was doing that, I was creating content on the side and that's what I was really passionate about, but it didn't allow me 
time. It was kind of equal to my job at JP. I was doing this thing and then I was trying to create content as much as I could on the side, but I didn't have time for it. And I was making way less money than I was in the corporate world. So I'm like, why did I leave a job to do something else? It's making way less and I'm still not having the time to do what I want to do. So I gave myself another grace period to test this out and see how it could evolve. And now my full-time aspect of my job is the content creation. So with my Instagram and blog and YouTube and now podcast. I think that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that it can evolve. Like you're not put into a totally. box there. Like you can kind of, oh, I don't really like this. I'm going to switch this to that and do yeah. more, focus more on this. Um, we have four questions that we ask every single guest, but before we get to that, since we're talking about your blog and your Instagram, mm-hmm. go ahead and, um, tell our listeners plug where they can follow you and we'll put it in the oh, show yeah. notes as well. Okay. So Instagram is definitely my most active platform. I'm on it too often. That is at freckled foodie. And from there you can find everything, but on TikTok, it's also freckled foodie, which is an app I love. And YouTube, it's all linked in there. It's freckledfoodie.com is my blog. And then my podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. I release an episode every Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern. And the Instagram for that show is at ffnfriendspod. But I'll send you everything to put in Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. And I'm sure like a lot of our listeners can definitely relate to your story and you'll gain some awesome new followers because they're dope. Um, Okay. So we have four questions that we ask every single guest. And mm-hmm. I did not prep you for this. Um, okay. So I'm just going to go for it. We're going to get that true, authentic answer. Great. First one is, what is something that you are currently binging or obsessed with right now? It could be a TV show. It could be a podcast, a food, a restaurant, even though we can't really. Um, yeah, I can't really go to restaurants. <laughs> I'm going to give it a little bit of a general answer, but books. I, when quarantine started, I used to read a ton when I would commute to work and then I kind of stopped. And when quarantine started, I felt like I was spending too much time on my phone. And so I started reading Mm -hmm. and I have read, I think like 60 books since March. Um, Yeah. I went a little like balls to the wall and they're not like self-help. I'll read like a few self-help, but I am deeply obsessed with YA romance novels. I live in this alternate universe. I feel like I am in the book. It's honestly like a bit of an issue. There was one series where my husband was like, you have to stop. I haven't spoken to you in a week because all I would do (laughs) was read. So that's when I'm binging hard, just books, especially romance novels. You're like, I'm more in love with these characters than I am with you right now. So like, please, do you know how many fights we've gotten in? Like, I mean, I was the girl that was obsessed with Twilight in high school and I used to fight with Joe because he wasn't Edward Cullen. Like, (laughs) you you aren't Edward. He's like, what are you even talking about? Why don't you glitter? Yeah, you're not wrong in that. We've definitely had arguments around these things. Okay, so what's uh, your favorite book that you've read? I honestly just read one that I loved. I read it in a day and a half. It was called The Wedding Diet, or not the Diet, The Wedding Date. And it was by, I think her name was Jasmine Gilroy. Um, it was it was so quick, like a great love story. I write that down. It was awesome. I just finished one called The Guest List. It was on like Reese Witherspoon's must this read. This one's on Reese's too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I haven't read that one. And really I just good. realized after I finished The Wedding Date, I was so excited because I posted about my stories and all these people messaged me being like, you know, it's a part of a series. So now I'm already on the second one. Oh, there's more praise. Oh, yeah. All right. Our second question is, even though 2020 has been somewhat of a you-know-what storm, um, what is something that you are looking forward to in the rest of this year? 
something coming up before December. I am big on change of seasons. I it's why I will only live on the East Coast. I love all four seasons and uh-huh. I get really excited for each one. So I am just so excited for fall and winter. I know people don't love winter, but I do. Um, my husband and I are renting a house in New Hampshire on a lake for basically the month of October the two of us and our dog. And I'm just really excited to spend time. Nature is a big thing for me and I feel totally gypped from it by living in New York. And I've really used this time out of the city to try and reconnect with that. And so I'm really excited for that. And just like, I'm so excited to be able to wear jeans and sweaters Mm -hmm. and sweatshirts and drink beer and make pies. And this winter I'm going to learn how to make ice cream. I'm like such a basic white girl in that I just love like all the fall things. So give me everything pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin, everything, booties, give me some scarves, like throw it all in. So yeah, we our temperature just dropped from like it's been humid as Hades here. And our temperature just, just dropped from like 90 to 83. And I'm like, oh my God, it's freezing outside. <laughs> I'm like, how do I do it? What kind of dog do you have? Uh, he's a rescue from Puerto Rico. So he's a total mutt, but he is truly the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. We did a DNA test and he's majority golden retriever which is shocking for puerto rico because their street dogs are not normally golden retriever um but golden retriever chow chow which is so interesting and then like border collie shepherd he's so unique looking yeah i post about him all the time on my instagram so you can do all the things we love our dog um okay if what is something that you love most about yourself i think i'm really self-aware and reflective as of the past two years. Mm. And I think I've evolved a lot. I was not the nicest person as a child or in high school. And I think it wasn't, I think my intentions were there, but I just spoke my mind and I had a very strong opinions and I had a harsh personality. And I don't think it was always well-received. And that's not to say I didn't do wrong things. A lot of it was on me as well. But I think over the years, I've grown a lot and I put a lot of time into evolvement for myself and just bettering myself. And I'm really appreciative of that. I think that that's super evident just in how quickly you answered that question. Like <laughs> someone not super evolved, would it, I, I mean, seriously, when we um, ask this question, it's usually the hardest for people to answer because it's like we said, complimenting ourselves, accepting a call. Oh God. People yeah, cannot so write it's like, about themselves. What? It's like, what? I don't know. I don't ever think about that. So I think it's cool. I ask, like, what's your favorite characteristic about yourself? And people are like, oh my God, what? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I know sometimes when I'm coaching, um, our group classes, I'll say like, all right, just scream something out about yourself that you love. It can be physical or personality and people will like literally go silent. And I'm like, yeah, anything. (laughs) All right. Um, (laughs) literally anything. Um, our last question or my last question, Chelsea, we miss you is, um, if you could tell women one thing, what would it be? Like leave them with one piece of truth today. What would it be? To stop being so hard on yourself. Mm. I think we're so hypercritical of ourselves and how we look and what we're doing and how much money we're making and what our future holds and whether we're doing the right job as a woman, as a mother. You know, I think we're so critical of everything we do. And I think it's really aware when you get inside the mind of a man that those thoughts aren't happening and instead they're like cheering themselves on. And I think we need to do more of that. I think we need to be more 
you know, appreciative for what we've done and also celebrate those wins and be excited for the future and believe in ourselves. And we, we don't believe in ourselves enough. Yeah, that's huge. I love that. Thanks. Well, I mean, I like thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with this you. Is it so fun. It hasn't really felt like um, work. It's just felt fun. So those, thanks, these are the best types of interviews. I, feel I know. Thanks so much, Cameron. I have loved our conversation and I know that our listeners are going to love hearing from you as well. And y'all go follow her at all the links that we post in the show notes. And hopefully we talk to you again soon. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Whoa. Thank you.